0: Hello and welcome to the Serpent Temple podcast. This week we're going to be reviewing some things. The first thing is going to be A Murderous Circus by the band Morning Beloved, released in 2005. The second will be Electric Wizard's Wizard Bloody Wizard, released in 2017. And then we will be looking at the first edition of the new Damim comic, The Bloodied. So Floyd, take it away with A Murderous Circus.
1: So firstly, how was your week, Nina?
0: Oh, first yes, of course. My week was lovely. It was okay. Yeah, yeah. it was a bit. I did some IKEA, made oh, some nice. furniture, swore at some shelves. How about you? Did
1: you Did you say the uh, the infamous sentence everybody says when they've got uh, IKEA furniture? What is that? It's like adult Lego.
0: Oh my god! Do people say that?
1: Oh yeah, I've heard it say that all the time.
0: I thought adult Lego would be like way more inappropriate.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. probably. Yeah. Maybe get Lego squat plugs. <laughs>
0: Don't Google squat plugs. I can't even say it. Squat plugs. It's hard to say squat plugs. Say it five times fast and then uh, win a prize.
1: But it's been a, been an interesting week. Um, did you see the uh, Lord of the Rings teaser?
0: I did. Yeah, yeah it was titillating.
1: titillating. I think we should definitely review that when Hell it comes yeah. around.
0: Hell Just yeah. Just nerd
1: out about Lord of the Rings for a bit.
0: So many people have been like complaining about it already, which is so funny because it's like 30 seconds
1: Just like, I just got to give things a chance before you, like, completely shit on it, I think.
0: Yeah, I think they got the young Galadriel voice right.
1: I thought it sounded fine. Yeah. It's like... Sounds young. But the thing is, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Or damn-immed if you do. (laughs) Ooh, yeah. Because, like, you could have had someone almost mimic her voice, and then you'd be like, oh, well, that's just copying Cate Blanchett. But then if it sounds different, they'll be like, oh, well, it's never going to be a patch from the original. It's like, what do you people want?
0: (laughs) i don't yeah. think people know what they want
1: no but yeah. i was just surprised that it was all practical effects as well with the uh oh is it yeah with the map
0: oh that's pretty cool i didn't know oh, that
1: that's pretty cool but yeah so that excited me and then there was the uh, the news of every time i die breaking up
0: oh my god so much drama
1: that seems pretty because did you see the statement from the bassist
0: yeah so that changed everything
1: yeah so it's a bit there's a lot of back and forth now so mm. it's like you said, she said, yeah. It's funny because the guy was just like, I don't I don't want to turn into like a TMZ style thin, but this is my side of the story. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, that seems a bit uh, bit messy.
0: It is a tad. It's not the best way for them to break up. I never really actually properly listened to them, but I've always known they were a respected band.
1: It's that thin. I had their first two albums, which were, I think, Last Night in Town, which I believe was their first album. They had a second album called Hot Damn. Um, I thought they were quite good, but it's... Um, It's funny because um, before all this drama happened, I watched one of their live sets on the Hate56 channel. And I didn't realize how fucking heavy they were live. Like they put on a really good live show. Damn. And um, I was actually going to get back into them, but I just never got around to it. It's just so much shit been happening this year.
0: Well, now you don't have to.
1: Yeah, no. At least I don't have to worry about a new album.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's one less thing to do, which is very sad. Um, Rest in peace every time I die. Murderous Circus by Morning Beloved. Tell me about this. Album and band.
1: So, like, sorry, this is gonna, I'm I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it, I promise. But, like, it's funny how when you look at like divides in the metal scene, you you got like, you know, kind of like core versus, you know, air quotes, true metal and all that sort of shit. But I think the true divide lies in the tempo. Like, you kind of notice, like, you kind of grow up in two camps. You get the ones that like it fast and the ones that like it kind of slow. And I was always in, like, the fast camp. Like, I like stuff to be as, like, fucking frenetic and quick as possible. So, like, when I first heard this album, I had never, ever heard My Dying Bride or Paradise Lost before. So, like, listening to More Than Beloved was kind of, like, my introduction to, like, that Death Doom kind of style. So it was – I think I first heard them. They were on – we're talking a little bit about Terrorizer off camera. But um, they used to have this, like, weekly – Free CD. I think it was called Fear Candy. Do you
0: remember that? I think I have some somewhere. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think it was a and Beloved song was on it. And it was just like, because the vocals were like really like quite impassioned and guttural. And I was like, yeah, that that's my sort of shit. But like the music was totally like somber and melancholic. And I just never heard anything like that before. Because like, at this point in time, I was, you know, fucking well into like the New York death metal scene and just other facets of the death metal genre. And it was weird because there there has always been death metal bands that have, Employed that slower riff, whether it be obituary or or autopsy, but like it always felt like those slow riffs were building up to the faster riffs or the faster part of the songs. So it was kind of a, an alien concept for me to listen to a 12 minute track that was predominantly a really slow tempo. So that's why I've decided to review this album this week because it was quite an important album in kind of making me diversify my own tastes a little bit. Cool. Um, and it's just really like this album was my first introduction to them. This was their third album, I believe. And it's just really just melodic and just fucking somber and just miserable. But it was the first time I realized that I also really like that sort of music. And it kind of reminded me kind of growing up with my mum, not the miserable aspects, I had quite a good childhood, but, but she's a big fan of Leonard Cohen. And like she always used to say, oh, I don't understand why people, because the common... Thin people would say about Leonard Cohen's music was it was music to, I mean, this is gonna be a bit graphic to slit your wrists to. That was the common phrase. Oh, oh I didn't know that. <laughs> so, and she was just, like, I never understood that because I always thought his music was quite like empowering and it was actually used to it make really me feel beautiful. better to listen to that music. Mm. And it kind of reminded me of that similar kind of notion with this album. I was just like, wow, it's just, it's just really stunning and beautiful. It's, um, it's only five tracks and it's like over an hour long, but. There's just so many, just absolutely stunning, beautiful moments in it. Probably my favorite track, and I think this was the track that was on the Fear Candy, the Terrorizer three CD, is uh, Elemental Nausea, which starts off just really kind of melodic, and it's like it's a bit like Cult of Luna in the sense that it's like 12 minutes, so it takes ages to build up to the climax. But when it hits, it's like it's a really simple riff, but it's just the atmosphere is just completely off the charts. So it's just really, it's the first time I'd really listen to a song, you know, take just a few simple notes and turn that into a motif that the entire song's kind of built around. And then that, in a way, that's why this album's so important because it then caused me to look into other bands that no doubt inspired more than beloved bands like My Dying Bride, sort of early Paradise Lost, and Anathema as well, or another big one. Um, and just Catatonia as well, like I got into Catatonia for this band. Because um, I remember when I was looking up online, like reviews of this album, a lot of people were mentioning Catatonia and especially like Discouraged Ones era Catatonia. You could definitely hear it has that similar, like super kind of sombra guitar lines, especially the clean guitars. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of, it was just a really pivotal album for me.
0: So when did you, how did you, you discovered it through Terrorizer Fair Candy. How old were you when you?
1: Oh, God, it was 2005. So i had been just about 18.
0: That's A really good age to, yeah, yeah.
1: So, I think I was starting to like slow down a little bit because mm. by that point, um, I think I was real realizing that there's more to the uh, the metal genre and sub genres other than you know, just really asinine lyrics <laughs> and uh, sort of double bass pedals and subhuman vocals, but it's uh. But yeah, it was. Um, I picked up the CD in HMV, the one on Oxford Street.
0: I love that HMV. The big
1: one. That was always the best HMV in my opinion. It had the
0: most metal in it.
1: Yeah. The melt section was really good. Yeah. Like I remember picking up, um, I've still got this CD. There was a Christian gore grind band called Vomitorial Corpulence. Nice. And like the album was called Skin Stripper, but like a lot of the lyrics were like Christian based. And I remember thinking, I I need to buy this. (laughs) I've never listened to Christian grind before. And it was just like, it was just like really like lo-fi gore grinds. So like the vocals were like pitch shifted way down and stuff. But at the time I thought it was like the heaviest CD I had in my collection.
0: Oh, it's so cool.
1: And then, um, and then I started, <laughs> that's how I started to look into like Christian death metal and came across bands like Crimson Thorn, who me and Shem were talking about a few times. Like a really good band as well. Like some proper good riffs. And it's like, I think there's always that stigma around bands that um, have those Christian elements. Because I think people always presume... That those sort of bands are going to be thrown that in your face, which is not the case at all. It just can be, just so happens that some of the members have to be Christian, or there might be some Christian elements in the music, but it's not like preachery at all. It's just like totally, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just one part of the lyrics. So it's uh, yeah. So I picked up this album and that HMV because I used to do um, every day after school. I used to do the same troll. So I'd start off in Berwick Street and hit, like, Sister Ray, and go to nice. all those record stores, the independent ones, and then cut up Berwick Street and then hit the main road uh, Oxford, uh, of Oxford Street and then go to the, uh, the Virgin that was on the corner, then the big HMV, and then work my way around to Tower Records, which used to be on the corner of Piccadilly Circus.
0: That's so cool.
1: Did you ever get to Tower Records? I or? didn't, know. I no. don't think
0: I did. I used to hit up um, Sister Ray, HMV, yeah. all those, like, and the Virgin place as well but i never got to tower
1: yeah because it was a shame because it was tower records up until about i want to say 2003 Mm. and then it changed over to uh, virgin as well so there was two virgins at one point there was two virgins and two hmvs within like within like a, a mile radius oh was
0: it there was one in bond street and then there was one near tottenham court road is that it
1: see the bond street one was where the oxford street one relocated to yeah okay And so there was one in the Trocadero.
0: Oh.
1: So there was that one, which was a smaller one. Then opposite that road, there was a virgin... And then there was another Virgin, which is where Tower Records used to be. And then you'd have the other HMV and the other Virgin on Oxford Street.
0: So much virginity. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> and there was a lot of virginity in that metal section. I can
0: guarantee, <laughs> I
1: can guarantee that.
0: Oh. Myself
1: included. <laughs> it's but, funny
0: you talk about, um, sorry to interrupt you, the, no, the Christian metal. Because like I always feel like people don't acknowledge the... Like, there is, the, like, Black Sabbath, some of the, the material is, like, kind of preachy and Christian. And, like, yeah. talking about how you got to make sure you, you do good or you're going to get, like, I can't remember which song it is. Oh, my God. I think it's on, like, one of the first five records. But, yeah, Aussie's singing about, like, you better not be naughty or you're going to get, like, sucked up and, like... Screwed around by Satan. That's not the funny. best wording, but you know what I mean. <laughs> You're get
1: sucked off by Satan.
0: <laughs> I think people would be hella naughty if uh. they, did. yeah, but whatever.
1: Yeah, it's. I didn't realize that you must have had a Christian upbringing, though, right? You would think because Aussie's like got been this seventy odd, right?
0: I'm not sure. Yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe. Um, I need to. It's been a long time since I read the lyrics. There's going to be some Sabbath fans shouting at us in the comments, yeah. probably. Um, but yeah, like well maybe I'll Google it after the podcast and then actually talk about it when <laughs> yeah. I know what I'm talking about. I just maybe really remember reading the lyrics to this what song is it? I wrote an essay about it when I was a kid, but whatever, man.
1: Have you ever seen that clip of Ozzy kinda like marking out being really excited to meet Paul McCartney? No. No, it's like him, and he's like proper like fanboying over Aww. him. He's like, oh. it's like, sir, Paul. It's an absolute pleasure to meet you, and just
0: that is so cute.
1: Just shows that you know when it comes to the Beatles, like them going on. I can't remember which show it was in the states, but like that was like such an important part for music, oh, right? Just That's yeah, well, there was that clip of Ozzy like proper um, worshiping Paul McCartney. And he was just like completely fanboying over it. And I thought that was pretty uh, cool as well, because just shows how important the Beatles were. As Alistair was saying last week. He was indeed,
0: yeah. sporting the garage rock movement. That's kind of, yeah, we kind of we owe pretty much underground metal to them.
1: But anyway, back to this album, Mornin' Beloved for Murderous Circus. So um, another cool thing, and what I love about lineups and bands, is I love when they maintain a core lineup. And it's been the same with this band. They've got pretty much the same members. You've got Timmy Johnson on drums, Frank Brennan, who does guitars and clean vocals. Uh, Darren Moore does the harsh vocals. Uh, bassists, as, I mean, this is so common with bassists, but they've changed positions a few times. And then uh, the on this album, you had a guitarist called Brian Delaney, who's the guitarist for the first few albums. And then I think he left the band in 2009. And I think their sound was a bit more kind of um, refined, and a bit less kind of doomy after that, like a bit more epic, because the later albums are far less, in my opinion, gloomy than the first few albums. Because I went after listening to this one, I went back and listened to their earlier albums, The first album, Dust, and then a sullen... Suckus, suckus, I not to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> look up yourself and decide how it's
0: pronounced. It's <laughs> people. but, um, to...
1: but yeah, just like total, just like this album, the production of this album is far like cleaner, which is like, what I think really kind of sold it to me because it was just, everything just sounded so crisp and beautiful and it didn't sound some, you know, sometimes you listen to that doom death, doom death mix. It could be quite a claustrophobic, atmosphere but everything was like crystal clear on this album okay but like when you listen to the earlier albums it's a bit more like you can definitely hear that it's a bit more akin to that early the earlier kind of death doom bands and prototypes of that sound but it's um but yeah so it's just uh i was actually trying to find the cd to bring it in as well so it's quite a cool album cover it's got like this really sad looking girl with like wings on it and there's like a building underneath it's quite cool looking cover Damn, but um, I couldn't fucking find it I do definitely own it though but it's just lost in the in the catacombs <laughs> of my shoe boxes that house where I see these <laughs> but no it's um I truly recommend checking it out because um I actually think um if you give because I know you said you weren't overly fond of the vocals but I reckon if you give this album a chance I reckon it's uh I might grow on you because I reckon you've definitely liked similar albums to this before. So I'll play a song for you now, see what you think about it. I'd
0: like that to be honest. It's been so long since I listened to them because I listened to them for like a good 10 seconds and then was just like, I'm gonna listen to something else. I didn't yeah. give them a proper chance, but hearing you talk about it is gonna make me want to check it out and give them a, a proper like listen to because I, I might have, I don't even remember, yeah, um, what I heard. So now I want to to re reconnaissance this band, and and see if I can slide in... Well, let's not...
1: (laughs) Because I slide into (laughs) the DMs.
0: Because I slide into the music. But that sounds horrifically sexual. I don't don't mean to say it in that way. We're just dropping so many... um mistakes this week I'm so sorry dear listeners
1: but it's funny because like I think you touched on something kind of interesting which I think is something that's quite prominent in this uh and definitely the stream in the age of music consumption in the digital age I would say like so there's so many bands out there like even like older bands as well that are just so overlooked because it's just so easy to listen to something else now right it's just Whereas before, if you bought an album, you're like, wow, fuck, I spent money on this. So I might as well listen to it all the way through. And it would it would at least give it a bit more of a chance to grow on you a little bit. Whereas I feel like now, like there's still so many bands out there, even like prominent metal bands that I can't think of any off the top of my head that I've never really listened to or given the chance. And it was just like, that's one of the reasons why I kind of like doing the podcast and like delving into like older albums as well as the newer stuff that's coming out. Because especially before the 70s shit, you've been recommending because there's some real like, unbelievably good music that seems to have just for from the mainstream perspective anyway just completely dropped off of the radar
0: yeah i really i totally agree with you You know like because i think adding context to the music is what really can make you feel and hear a band differently and like knowing a bit about their story or a bit about even how some of their music was made and even bands and records that I've always loved, I've gotten to, like, look into more, and it's made me love those records more, or, like, you've recommended a band that I never really, like, had any reason to care about, but then yeah. hearing about, like, their story, it always makes it more interesting, and that's, I think, the difference between the CD age, as you say, and the streaming age.
1: So yeah. So it's
0: really cool that we can kind of reclaim a little island of um, context in the sea of yeah. no context.
1: Well, I, think that's the thing. I think a lot of context does actually help, because, like, it's... Um... I've often said that it's I've got this weird recall ability to remember songs I listen to when I'm at a certain like part of London. Like I'd be on the bus route and I'd be like, it's always as well happens to be St. George's Circus, which is like this (laughs) pillar. And it used to always make me laugh as a kid because it's the first time I ever saw the word erected used in anything other than describing a penis. Nice. So I was just like, (laughs) erected in 1600 (laughs) or whatever. But no, but every time I go past there, I seem to remember like at least 20 different songs I listened to at that exact moment that's so cool but it's um but yeah like totally as you say like knowing the story of a band just you know delving a bit deeper I think just gives you a bit of a deeper appreciation or understanding of the music Mm -hmm. I think because like I like even with the lyrics and stuff I never really paid attention to the lyrics a lot of the time it was never really I mean I suppose that's what happens when you spend most of your teens listening to death metal where most of the (laughs) the vocals are completely uh, indecipherable um, apart from Chuck, Chuck was always great uh, enunciating yeah. his words, and I think he doesn't get enough credit for that because I think you know that's something that kind of got lost in um and a lot of modern death metal. Like a lot of the vocals became quite murky and and quite buried in the mix to the point where there was nothing more than just an additional percussive element which is another reason why, I like, Archspire so much. Yeah, the think,
0: vocals are so interesting. Because
1: it's just like, I mean, he's almost rapping it, and it's just, we were talking about this when we reviewed the album, but it's just like, I feel like he's made vocals an interesting element in Tech Death again. Yeah. Whereas before, that never was the case. It was always, it was, it was always just something else. You can just tell with most bands, it's just like, fuck, we don't have any vocals. So like, which one of you can grunt the best? Okay, you could just fucking, just, just do <laughs> it's some <you> shit. Know. <laughs> yeah. and just, just make sure that it doesn't fucking ruin the music. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm not saying any bands in particular do do that, but that's how it comes across at times. It
0: does, yeah, Yeah. totally. It's so right, like, Chuck's vocals, I feel, like, more high-pitched, and that's why, like, the way he enunciates it comes across so well and it's really easy to just understand what he's saying yeah. whereas Spire it's like even more impressive to me because he's got such a low deep but really rounded resonant voice yeah and he's using that in like that percussive way while also like playing messing around with the enunciation that's like I, lo- I love both of those vocals a lot
1: yeah yeah, Chuck was so good. He sounded more human as well. That's the thing with Chuck. He did sound like like his screams were more kinda of like agonized and mm. whereas I think they became a bit too cartoonish as kind of death metal progressed. Yeah. Um and speaking of vocals, like I do really love the vocals on this album. Like they've got two vocalists, so like the clean the, the harsh vocals are quite high in the mix. But they're like kind of like super guttural and bassy, but they're really like impassioned. So like going back to the Chuck thing, like there's more of a human element to those vocals, even if they are pitched much lower than, the, than what a human voice actually is. Um, and the clean vocals are really cool as well. They're just really, um, you get, there's a real Celtic vibe on the album, which makes sense. I mean, the band is from Ireland and it was the first time I had heard something akin to kind of like Celtic folk music being infused with metal.
0: Cool. And like
1: in the logo, of this band was like designed by a um, Malin from Primordial and stuff. And I know they've, they've been around for uh, pretty much the same time as them. So, like, you know, they're really the two sort of prominent Irish bands that were, were kind of around the scene that I was aware of. Um, and the first ones to be kind of infusing that kind of Celtic element into the music. Um, it's just a really cool sound, it just really reminded me of like listening to like, because um, my mum also was quite into a lot of folk music as well, specifically like Scottish folk music, which is different from Irish folk music. I'm not saying it's the same, but like there is elements that are similar. And it's, um, I don't know, just it it awakens the inner kilt-wearing Scotsman in me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Have you listened to Witchcraft? No, never. They're Irish as well. And they've got, they're like kind of stonery. Um, they're, They're not very heavy, but they're really, it's like heavy guitar, I guess, like hard rock. But they're they're like welcomed by the Stoner like Desert Fest kind of scene. Yeah. And they're really like the guy's got this mournful, folky voice. And then you've yeah. got these like kind of pentatonic guitars yeah. back in him. So maybe you'd like that. Oh, so I've
1: gotta check that out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're great.
1: But enough but it's uh that basically covers everything I've got to say about this album. Um the last two tracks, the last thing I'll say is that the last two tracks are really something special. They've got they've kind of um they've kind of taken one long track and split it into two so you've got the first part which is called nothing the march of death and then the last part is called yet yeah, everything and it's like between it both of those tracks together are probably close to about 35 minutes cool but it's um when you listen to both of them together it's just like it's like a super super long build and like the last track it's, it's probably one of the faster tracks on the album um and it has an almost like really like triumphant kind of melodethy style riff towards the end so it's just they could just tell they've taken a lot of time and thinking about the transitions and the riffs and just just the overall atmosphere of the album like it is it is a really really fucking beautiful album but it's nothing nothing more I could say about it other than that
0: amazing amazing shall we move on to wizard bloody wizard then let's let's so it is the ninth studio album by the British band Electric Wizard surprisingly it was released in 2017 um and this album is like not the album that anyone would expect you to pick if you're going to be reviewing Electric Wizard. Yeah. But I think it's criminally underrated. It was literally so. The thing is with Wizard, they have they've released two like genre defining albums. Yeah. Um. With, you know, Dope Throne and literally forgotten the name of the other one. <laughs> <laughs> What's it fucking called? What's the though? It's Dope Throne and the other one. Dope Frown.
1: Give me a second. Hang
0: on. I literally have it. I, I was looking at the list, the album list just now. Uh, Come my Fanatics. Oh. That one. Um, so 1995 and 1997. And those were like, massively genre um, defining albums every album they've all they've ever released has been a banger like they have no bad albums but for some reason people hated Wizard Bloody Wizard and they said it was like the most like unexperimental mm. wizard album despite the fact that Sabbath Bloody Sabbath which is obviously the namesake of the album name was the most experimental Sabbath album. But I I think, honestly, it doesn't really matter um, that it's not super experimental. I would argue, personally, this is what I wish to put forth today as my case, um, is that this is actually one of the catchiest, easiest to listen to Wizard albums. And that's a good thing, because oh. I don't think I think it's a lot of pressure to put on a band to be like every you you've defined a whole genre. Now you've got to do that over and over again, every single time you release an album yeah. and like, you know, it's got to have sample, like people complained it didn't have any samples in it. Cause they, they do put in like, they're one of the only bands, them and Aka that can use samples well, in my opinion. Yeah. And they're usually like kind of funny Easter eggs from like cool horror films and Conan, the Barbarian, things like that. Um, But this album is just, it's just six really catchy rock and roll, rock and roll tracks. And they're really fucking heavy at the same time, even though it's not as like insanely, horrifically, abyssally, void, inducingly heavy as the other stuff. But it still, for me, has that effect. So, I really like it. Have you listened to the album?
1: No, see, I've not listened to this album. Or if I have, I listened to it once when it was released. Um, 2017 was quite a strong year for music for me. I remember a lot of good releases coming out. Yeah. Um, So, I think this one just passed me by. Like, I, that Dope Throne was always the one that I listened to the most. um, Because that was always seen as their, like, kind of seminal, most iconic album. And, and as you know, I'm not no one near as well versed in like the Doom subgenre as you are. So I've always been a very, very like casual listener in regards to Doom.
0: I think, you know, actually um, more than me when it comes to funeral Doom, because yeah. I'm not as I'm not as um, patient with the slow Doom as I am with the fast Doom, which is still slow.
1: See, I go into Funeral Doom initially because it had the same, like, super guttural vocals as, like, Brutal Death Metal.
0: Nice. I'm just
1: like, oh, this is cool. Like, I can it's just, like, it's like I wouldn't accept any music unless the vocals were super deep.
0: That's so funny. So I, just,
1: so I was just like, cool, I'll I'll work out to the Death Metal and then I'll relax to the Funeral Doom Metal. Then I won't be called a poser because I'm not listening to anything with clean vocals. That's so funny. Nah, it's just... Um, but no, it's um, I don't know. I always like Funeral Doom. I think it's because um, because it's such an antithesis to the other music I was listening to. You know, it with brutal sense. death metal being so fast and so heavy, and like grindcore as well, which I was a, a massive fan of. Am uh, a massive fan of. So like Funeral Doom was just the, the polar opposite to that, but still like oppressively heavy. So I was just like, oh, this is cool. I'm I'm very much a I'm very much an extreme person. You know, it's, it's either one or the other. There's like no middle ground. But yeah. So, um, so it's been great. Like, like I said, you know, with albums like *The Morning Beloved*, one that really just kind of encouraged me to just look at other shit and just realize that I was just being an idiot, and that there's a lot of good music out there, like Electric Wizard and stuff. Like, I didn't actually get into Wizards until much, much later, when um, I kind of got into Doom through Paul Bearer. Believe it or not, you
0: made that sound <laughs> like someone's name,
1: Paul <laughs> oh, Bearer, because I've said it like the wrestler who was the manager <laughs> of the Undertaker. name was. His name was Paul Bearer. It's in Paul, the name, space Bearer.
0: <laughs> That's what I heard, Paul
1: <laughs> Just How is it pronounced otherwise? I,
0: I say Pal Bearer. Oh, wait, no, I don't know anymore. Pal, Paul Bearer. Paul Barrer. It's yeah. not Pal Bearer. That sounds like an app.
1: Yeah, I definitely said it like the name because of the wrestling manager, Paul Bearer. Okay, but yeah, no, I just, because uh, they were being kind of like lauded at the time. So I took like a punt on them and I was just like, oh, this is quite good. Let me check out other bands of this style. Nice. And I was just like, oh, there's actually an entire, there's decades of music in this style that I need to catch up on.
0: People started fighting outside. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think the closest thing I listen to is like Bell Witch. I think that's, that's where like my funeral, is that Funeral Doom?
1: I'd say Bell Witch is Funeral Doom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah.
0: I, I like Bell Witch. Yeah. Mirror Reaper was like that that moment, that morning beloved moment for me. I'd say, yeah. but I still haven't quite extended my gaze deeper yeah. into the abyss of that genre.
1: It what well, the thing is, it's it's time consuming. <laughs> That's the it problem. It is, yeah. And like when an album's two hours <laughs> in length, it's like you know when, when you really going to have the time to to consume that much music. But it's uh, but no, yeah. Mirror Reaper seems to take seems to have taken the world by storm in 2017 when it was released. So or it might be released in 2016. Actually, I might be getting my dates a bit muddled there but it was like everyone loved that album like it was i think it was like what we were saying before about the context it was the story yeah, of that album as well the story made it yeah, more the thing powerful. about the guy that died and then his vocals were still featured and on it's the album. like it
0: goes backwards halfway through yeah yeah that was so like i remember like i read that and then i would listen to it and knowing that made it so powerful like so impactful
1: and it's funny as well because like um the album cover was amazing. I can't remember the name yeah. of the artist.
0: It's not um, Bedeslaw's... I can't say. It's Polish. No. That... Yeah. Oh, my God. Am I being racist? I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't say his name. He has a very cool name. Um, it's like B-E-K Sladislav Beksinski. Bekskinski. Yeah. Beksinski. I think. He's an amazing artist. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But... It's funny. Sorry, it's a bit of indigestion there. <laughs> but his, um, but like that cover seems to have uh, drawn a lot of people in as well. And it's funny because you hadn't seen that for a while. With like, as I was saying, people don't really buy CDs as much anymore. But I suppose maybe the vinyl resurgence has causing people to be interested in album art and stuff again. Because definitely, yeah. I mean, like vinyl. I mean, I would never have thought we'd get to a, a, a stage where vinyl. Was generating more like annual revenue than CDs were worldwide. Although
0: depressingly, I was reading Adele. She was the highest vinyl selling person. It was five hundred thousand copies. Yeah, that was the most vinyl that was sold. That's not that much, though, is it? It's so little. Yeah, yeah. Because there was there were some albums that were being pressed in like the millions. I think in like the seventies and stuff.
1: Because I would have thought someone like someone like Taylor Swift would have had like a a, maybe at least a million vinyl releases our sales even, but it's, I uh, don't know. Yeah, that was yeah. surprising. I was surprised to find out it was only 500,000.
0: Me too. That's like, that feels small, I guess.
1: I wonder how many wonder how many vinyl sales there were of the Black Album because that's the, the Metallica one because ah. that's the album that's always in the charts still. Like even to this day in the States, the album is still, they're still selling a shit ton of the Black Album.
0: So I'm going to go highest selling vinyl records of all time, Michael Jackson's Thriller, seventy million copies. Okay. So that's woof. That's crazy. So that's the the highest grossing. Then it's fifty million for ACDC Back in Black, forty five million for Whitney Houston The Bodyguard. Wasn't that a film? Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry.
1: Yeah, I would just say I would think it was the album of the because that's where that song came from. The was the big one. Well? She was in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, I thought it was about Britney Spears, but there you go. It shows how much I know about music. And then fourth is Meatloaf, Bad Out of Hell.
1: Rest in peace, Meatloaf.
0: Yeah, 44 million. Um, Eagles, their greatest hits, 44 million. Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, 44 million. I'm surprised that Dark Side of the Moon isn't higher. Um, and then again, Eagles, Hotel California, 42 million. Bee Gees, Saturday Night Fever, 40 million. Then Fleetwood Mac and Shania Twain, all at 40 million as well. Shania
1: Twain, wow, that's a... Yeah expect to i mean I suppose she was quite big in the 90s
0: i know my uncle fancied her that's all i know um and Led Zepp again they, they're 37 michael jackson's in there at 35 then you've got alanis, alanis morissette celine dion more michael jackson the beatles i'm surprised there's not more beatles but i guess maybe they're a little bit early
1: for some yeah. vinyl
0: i don't know enough about vinyl history It's an interesting selection. There's like Madonna and then Nirvana and Guns N' Roses and Elton John.
1: Yeah. I could see Nirvana being high up on that list because they just just completely took the world by storm.
0: Yeah. In the 90s. Yeah, fascinating that it's gone from 70 million to 500,000.
1: Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's kind of expected considering that literally everyone I know listens to music through Spotify now. Or YouTube Music or iTunes or whatever. But I still try and buy albums on Bandcamp every now and again.
0: Yeah, same. It, it feels good. It feels like you're like giving someone a warm hug Yeah. when you do that. It feels that way too when someone buys your album on Bandcamp. But yeah, Wizard Bloody Wizard. Um, another reason I love this album is that the band just kind of did everything themselves in terms of the recording and the production. So um, Juz Oborn and Liz Buckingham, who are kind of like the brains of Electric Wizard since the original lineup, is now... Justin is the only remaining member. Um, So they kind of recorded it over the space of a year in Sator 9 recording studios, which is their own thing. Um, And pretty much it's all kind of like analog, basically. And I was reading about how they were doing it and it sounds so stressful (laughs) because they were using loads of gear that kept like not working and then mysteriously working again several weeks later and they had to put the album on hold for six months while they got their um 16 track Tascam to start working again because they were trying to fix it and it's like who knows how to fix those things now Yeah, yeah yeah so it's fascinating that they did that but the actual tone of like the guitars all the like sound is really to me it's like juicy there's, there's like a frequency that wizard hit that just sounds like manner to my ears like i yeah. love listening to it it's just delicious and yeah. not every band can do that it's like very rare i think everyone's got their own like special sweet spot when it comes to like how music sits in a mix yeah. and this this album is like it sounds kind of different to a lot of albums including amidst like the wizard discography but it's kind of crisp but dirty at the same time yeah. It's like clear, but disgusting in a good way.
1: <laughs> you, you kind of want that balance. And that's like the perfect balance, really.
0: Yeah. And you can kind of tell that they've like, I, I think I remember he, reading him say that he tried to have like the shortest space possible between like them playing the music and it going onto the tape. So there's not a huge amount of, I think, like manipulation.
1: Uh, but at the it. same
0: time, you, you definitely have this like violent purity um on like the actual sound of the music and i think liz buckingham um doesn't get as much like um kudos that she deserves as well because she she actually took the picture for the album cover which is um this kind of like midriff with wizard bloody wizard drawn on it in blood and it's like the denon advert kind of yeah yeah but um in a kind of cool satanic way
1: yeah, okay. so I remember the album cover. That's like the only thing I remembered about it. But it's—I'll uh, definitely give it a listen.
0: It's really, it's really fun. It's actually the perfect record to put on if you're going on a summer road trip, and like yeah. the sky is blue and the sun's shining, and you've got this like horrifyingly big, dirty rock and roll riff yeah. kind of washing over you. And they did a, a music video um i think for see you in hell the first track on the album which is the riff on that the intro is so good it was like the first thing i heard of the album and i was like not expecting it to be incredible because like yeah. um black mass time to die they were great albums but they weren't as like out there um yeah. compared to like their earlier stuff for me until this album came out and it made me love those albums more so it actually changed my view on wizard a lot um and yeah i just remember hearing the intro to that riff which is just like really slow kind of ominous guitar and they're i hate music videos most of the time which is just a band playing their instruments and standing on a stage but yeah. they managed to do it in a, in a way that was like genuinely cool yeah. so it looks like a 70s top of the pops performance but they're wearing like capes yeah and it's like all like just the colors are all Kubricky, and it's yeah. wonderful i love i think the fact that they're so into film really reflects well um in the music and the way that like, they curate everything and they name there's like so many references to to literature and film and music that I love. Um, that isn't just like Lovecraft and stuff like there's some obscure, like French pornography references from like the sixties and things and some of their things. And, and yeah, like, um, stuff that I don't think they always necessarily realize. I remember talking to, I interviewed them many years ago, um, and i was talking to him about venus and furs which is i think on the black mass album and i was like oh so this is is this a leopon leopold von sacher masoch reference because he wrote the the word masochism comes from that author who wrote a story about a man falling in love with a statue Okay. And worshipping the statue, which is Venus in furs, and he dresses it in furs, and that's yeah, his yeah. Venus. And I was like, oh, so is this what you guys were talking about? And they had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> and everyone was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. So it must have been someone else inspired by that who then inspired them. And it's cool to like kind of see the webs of interaction between like, literature and music and film.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, that's, sorry, that just reminded me of just every time I see somebody wearing something that I think is a wrestling reference or t-shirt, I got to then fucking like go into one about, and it's, it's totally something unrelated.
0: <laughs> and just look at me
1: like I'm literally, I've lost my marbles. Like what the hell are you on about?
0: That is so funny. I nah. do that all the time. Yeah.
1: Nah, it's, um, nah, I'll definitely give this record a chance. I'll give it a spin. The
0: spin, the spin. Shem's messaged me being like, Venus and Furs, have a Velvet Underground have a song called Venus and Furs. I know this. Dear Shem, because I talked to them about this too. Um, the Venus and Furs Velvet Underground song is inspired by, um, inspired by the text. And the, my favorite cover of all time is CUC and the Banshees covering the Velvet Underground playing Venus in Furs. Oh, cool! It's a really, really cool cover. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, it's um, it was my favorite cover of all time. Tell you what, not sure about favorite cover, but one that I didn't realize was a cover was I fought the law. But Is a clash. Yeah, it was a cover. I can't remember who sang I know, the original, but I know it's Zed like...
0: Kennedys have done it, but I don't I I don't think they were the original. No, no, yeah. no,
1: no, no, They would have been way before that. But I can't remember. Something like the Hollies, one of those early bands. I don't but know. it was uh
0: It's a good song, it's catchy.
1: No, it's a great song.
0: Yeah. Sick. Yeah.
1: So would you say this wizard album ranks quite highly in the
0: I don't know if I if I rank it highly in terms of like musical virtuosity or like Incredible composition. I think it's. I think it's a really solid album. And I think it's a great album because I play this album the most of their discography. This is the album I always end up playing first when I want to listen to Wizard because I just there's so many bangers like Necromania, See You in Hell. It's. I don't, but I don't know if I rate it like it was rated low, and I don't rate it low. I think this is a solid like seven and a half out of ten, but it's the right seven and a half.
1: Yeah it's like the point you were making at the beginning about how, like, you know, I feel like there is a lot of pressure on bands to constantly be pushing the envelope a lot of times. And it's like, you look at a band, like, say, I mean, you take the most obvious ones, whether it be AC, DC and Motorhead, bands that, you know, practically wrote pretty much the same album each time. Then, you know, that's kind of what what they're known for. But I feel like it's, there's not many bands out there that could be going for the length of time like a band like Wizard has. mm and still produce thins of such a high quantity quality, yeah, like even, even if people don't necessarily think it's their best album, it's just like I still think fans should be grateful that the band, that bands are still going and still producing music that is enjoyable. Like you know not every band is like carcass. I mean carcass are an anomaly, in my opinion. Because, yeah, I agree. you know, like they had such a a, lo- a lengthy period of not being a band and come back and releasing now two excellent albums. Since they've been reformed, but like you know, that 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 doesn't happen very often, and it's like, do, do you feel like fans maybe expect too much sometimes?
0: I think so. I think yeah. that's the case, especially with like alternative media like fantasy and heavy music like you do get people with such high expectations and i think sometimes there's no way you'll ever please them i don't think that's like the majority i just think it's the vocal the most vocal people tend to be yeah. the people of those opinions so it feels like there's more of them than there actually are yeah um so yeah like i'm definitely experiencing that with certain genres at the moment but yeah um what was i saying about this this is a good album Yeah. It's very nice. Um, I think the best thing a band can do is do what they want to do. Exactly. And I think they've done that with this. And they were like, we don't, they were not going to do some, the same thing we've always been doing. We're going to do what we're feeling right now. And I think that usually comes across, well, it always comes across as the best, the best kind of art.
1: Because it's just organic and then it's true to the artist itself.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's surely that's what art is supposed to be when you're, when you're creating it as a band is like, why? I mean, yes, you do need to think about your audience to an extent when it comes to like being able to find your music, and I think yeah. that's when you when you start catering to an extent to an audience is like when you're promoting. When it comes to the actual art itself, what is it's not your art anymore if you're just doing what people expect you to do.
1: Yeah, but it's like that's why I've always respected OPEF Opeth was saying like, oh fuck it, I'm just going to write loads of I
0: love Opeth, just going to
1: abandon death metal altogether. Yeah. And um, do you know much about the whole thing with Suicide Silence, No. deathcore band? Shem probably remembers this, but they they <laughs> <laughs> basically it would have been about maybe I want to say around 2016. But, um, tragically, firstly, obviously the singer died in a, motor, uh, in a oh, motorbike no. accident, Mitch Luca. Okay. Um, and then they replaced him with Eddie, who was the vocalist of another Deathcore call band called All Shall Perish. But, um, they released like the first album with him, which was just like, you know, it's like a deathcore album. But then round about that same time, like new metal was kind of making a bit of a resurgence. And um, they released um, an album which had a track on it called Doris, which had like these kind of deft tones, Jonathan Davis-esque vocals. And it got absolutely ridiculed. Aww. I think Jared Dines, the YouTuber, picked up on it made a video on it. And that was just like the final nail in the coffin. And everybody was just absolutely shitting on it. And then um, to the point where then just went back to making deathcore again. Oh, bless. It was just like so. It was just like so put off experimenting that it was just like fuck. I, it was. I honestly like that album. So I thought I it sounded all right. It. I've listened to it. So I thought it was quite good. And it's because um, I don't know. It was just it just seemed to be that one chorus where with that vocal refrain that seemed to be the thing people kind of honed in on, and focused on. But like. Um, but yeah, I think it just kind of put them off experimenting, and they just went back to doing kind of like, like the the, the safe deathcore sound that they were kind of known for prior to that.
0: That is so sad. Yeah. Did that happen to Morbid Angel with the fucking cop song? <laughs>
1: well, that's a tough one because it's gonna make me sound like such a massive hypocrite. <laughs> because like, that, I that think that so album shit. was so so much experimentation and so far deviated from the sound yeah. that I think it just completely alienated most of their fan base but you've got to remember there's always been that weird divide in morbid angel they've always had like two different eras you know the steve tucker and the david vincent era so there's always been like their history's always been a bit kind of tempestuous um but that was just a weird album i don't know i don't know if you just randomly start to get get into industrial and decide to incorporate elements into it but i think it also just shows just how fickle the death metal um sort of fan base could be at times because often what they want is is just straight up death metal you know if meat if, and potatoes yeah it's like exactly like if, if a band if a death metal band dared to try and incorporate clean vocals in a lot of people would 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 just sort of cast them aside How permanently oh,
0: i want to hear clean vocal death metal
1: yeah well I just listen to phlebotomized got some clean vocals that's uh, nice not exactly in tune all the time, but they're uh, they're pretty good. I enjoy. It. I, I love those albums. Can't be
0: choosy when it comes to yeah. clean death metal.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Should we move on to some bloody good death metal? Yes. Which is the uh, the new Damim comic, the Bloodied, um, which uh, we realised Damim is the Hebrew Arabic word meaning bloodshed, and the band's previous name Dam means blood. Thank you, yeah. Metal Archives. So the Bloodied is an apt name for the first issue of their comic.
1: Oh, that's quite cool. I had a quick read through it. It's quite uh it's uh it's it's a nice fun little read there. A lot of references to uh things in and around the London metal scene.
0: Yeah, I love that. It's full of Easter eggs.
1: Yeah. And it's, um, I actually need to give the latest album a bit of a spin because I was talking about Damn, um, first time I came across them was once again, I think it was through the Fear Candy, Thin and Terrorizer. Nice. It was one of the songs from the, uh, the Darwinian Paradox album. And I bought that album because I always remember the cover with just black with the heart on it. And then, um, and obviously they had a massive um, kind of hiatus and their album in 2019, A Fine Game of Nil, was their first album in 12 years, so...
0: Damn! So I need
1: to jump back on it.
0: That is interesting. Um, I I discovered them only like a few years ago, um, like when they before after they were Damn and became damn him. It's just blisteringly good death metal. Yeah, is how I would describe them. Um, and yeah, I love I love this comic. It's colorful. There's colors, and there's there's actually um, one of our Serpent Temple alumni in the album album,
1: <laughs> in the comic.
0: I'm so, I'm so bad.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm completely failing today. Today's a zero out of 10 oh. review for Nina. Um, yeah, the Cam is in this, Cam Shuck of Sufferer. Um, so it's really cool that he's in it. I'm turning the pages for those who are only listening. So if you can hear some ASMR, that's what it is. Um, it's gorgeous. I love it. I love that, like, there's a really cool idea that they've kind of fused their love of of comics and metal and that they're in it as well and they've got like all these little in jokes and little moments where like there's a bit where they're in them um, in the cellar of the black heart which is like a wonderful venue in london and there's all the all the barrels of alcohol have like funny names like wanky pale ale or, like <laughs> some some i can't remember them off the top of my head but like there's just those little funny mo- like details in it and i yeah. love that it's so detailed as well
1: It kind of reminds me a little bit of... um, I've never been a big comic graphic novel person, but the ones I always absolutely loved were Preacher... Transmetropolitan.
0: Yeah, and they have like a similar vibe to this. Actually. Yeah, it's like, kind yeah. Of like that
1: black humor, like really sardonic. But it's, um I've not actually seen the Preacher TV show. I've heard that it takes a lot of liberties with the source material, but it is quite good. It is good, yeah. Um But they should totally do a Transmetropolitan one. I don't know if you've ever read that or seen I've not, it.
0: But... I've not read Reddit, but I've seen bits of it and it's, it's gorgeous. Like, the, yeah, I like it, the weird sunglasses he's got.
1: Yeah, no, that's quite cool. Yeah, it's just um, like <laughs> remember when I shaved my head once? I was thinking, should I do a cosplay of a uh, spider Jerusalem?
0: I'd love to see you cosplay. But,
1: but it meant shaving my beard, and I just nah. I just can't do it because I just I just don't look I I I look worryingly ill when I shave my beard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but no, yeah, and that's kind of what this uh, comic reminded me of a bit of times, even in like the style of the artwork and just like the humor that was. Uh, put into it. But that's uh, a it's a cool idea. And I think sometimes bands do need to think a bit outside the box to kind of stand out. Yeah. In today's scene because you know, the problem is in this digital age, France has such a boomer this episode.
0: <laughs> about that in the good old days.
1: But it's um like there's just the scene is just absolutely inundated with so many artists and bands. Mm. Like you look at how many new releases are being brought out in the week. I mean, even official releases on labels alone there's a lot. But like like independent albums and stuff. There's so, it's it's an overwhelming amount of music. Like you just go into Metal Archives, for example. You know the the, the foundation of all my metal knowledge. <laughs> um, and just look at their new releases, and there's there's like fucking like, it's about like twenty bands a day.
0: Nice. It's a it's a good thing and a bad thing, um, depending on your your take, I suppose. Which is a very general thing to say, but it is a good thing and a bad thing, in my opinion, too. Like it's great that there's so many people making art, but also, oh god. There's so many people and like, how, how would you begin to listen to them? But that's why I think places like the island, the oasis in the raging seas, like Serpent Temple exists yes. because um, we will occasionally mention some bands that are good.
1: Yes. Yeah. Maybe some coming up in the not too distant future.
0: That's true. There's some no. really exciting releases this year yeah. as well. Yeah. But I, will...
1: I was going to say, I've actually, sorry to interrupt so rudely.
0: We both, we, we kind of both spoke at the same time, so it's not interrupting. I, I think it's just a, a temporal distortion.
1: I've actually got a list of some recent releases that I'm looking forward to this year. he has got a list? Oh, one that's just dropped, actually, which I've been meaning to listen to, which I may suggest reviewing at some point. mm is uh, the the 40 Watt Sun album dropped.
0: Yeah, nice.
1: It's meant to be quite good. I've not actually delved too much into 40 Watt Sun. I think I've listened to one of their albums. I was a big fan of Warning, though.
0: Yeah, Warning were great. That's probably why I didn't listen to 40 Watt Sun, but now they're no longer around. Around. Yeah. I can't say the word word around. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Then that was a great time to get into them, yeah.
1: Apparently it's it's more melodic and a bit, a slightly more upbeat than Warning.
0: More upbeat, oh. Yeah. I, Not too
1: much more upbeat. I think, I they, think you get more
0: to... miserable. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One of the saddest bands I've ever listened to. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. And you've seen them live as well. I've said the story oh, before. It's yes. like the whole front two rows were just bawling their eyes out. Bless. It was. Uh...
0: Yeah, we were at their last show and it was so, oh my gosh. That yeah. uh, Desert Fest? Desert Fest, yeah.
1: yeah. What else have we got? Got my new uh, my sugar album this year. Hell yeah. Be looking forward to that. New Dying Fetus. New Botch. Uh, there's a new Korn. Nice. George Corpse Grinder Fisher is releasing this solo album this year.
0: Oh, and so is Matt Pike.
1: Oh yeah, Matt Pike as well. Yeah, so it's the month. year for our solo albums. Mm. Um, funny enough, Corpse Grinder released an album as a project with the guitarist from Killswitch Engage. No way. And I've been always, always been meaning to listen to it because I have no idea what it sounds like. But... Me neither. So I'll give that a listen at some point. New Venom Prism album at some point. Nice. Um, oh, this is a band that I actually quite like. I don't think we've ever talked about Amorphis. are dropping a new album.
0: Never really properly listened to them.
1: I really like Amorphis. Actually, Come they're um, they've got quite a lot of like pop sensibilities in the music, especially okay. in the latter era. Amorphous. like it's quite poppy, but in in a good way. Like it's not cheesy or too like power metally, but it's quite catchy. And um, pop is okay. I like pop. They've got, they've got some great melodies. Yeah. Um, and a funny and an interesting fact: Amorphis were the first bands to ever be added to the metal archives.
0: Wow, that's like, so cool. Like I
1: remember reading that once on their Encyclopedia of Metallum. Once again, the foundation <laughs> of, of all my of knowledge. knowledge. <laughs> uh, who else have I got? I'm looking forward to Author and Punisher. They've got a new album. Nice. They're, have you ever seen their stuff before?
0: That's the dude with the... the, the... You, you, you can everyone who's listening please imagine I'm doing a weird hand movement yeah. right now sawing it's, it's piano with man the, with,
1: the, with the GCSE BTEC design, and, yeah. design technology equipment they use to make horrifying uh, yeah. industrial soundscapes very cool uh, Napalm Death are dropping an EP this year nice uh, new Cult of Luna album Ooh. so that should be good big fan of Cult of Luna yes New Zealand Order this year
0: I cannot wait for that
1: those are looking forward to that one a big one for me I think Sham would be on board with this one new Immolation album this year at some point really like Immolation. Uh, this, uh, this is a really good tech death band that don't, doesn't get enough recognition because uh, they're called uh, Embryonic Development. So it's one of those bands that you just presume are going to be one of those slam brutal death metal bands, but they actually do some really interesting shit. Their last few albums have been really, like some really top-notch musicianship. Uh, and then it's Centenex, who are like a legendary uh, mellow death band. Um, we look forward to that album. And then Destruction as well. Uh, who are also releasing a new album sort of legendary german thrash band so that is what i'm looking forward to this year
0: you you said a lot of things i'm looking forward to there's um i'm looking forward to celeste who are releasing a band called assassin with a s
1: in they've done that with all their albums they had the little the, the little s and parentheses at the what end is, right
0: what's that all about i'm not sure i don't know i need to yeah and then there's uh, earthless night parade of 100 demons that's a pretty cool name um i'm looking forward to that Looking forward to the Matt Pike thing, as I mentioned. Um, there's loads of stuff. Steve Vai. I'm not a fan, of, a huge fan of Steve Vai, but it's just interesting that he's releasing an album yeah. to me. I don't know why. I just find it interesting. It's piqued my interest. Um, yeah, there's just so many... There's a lot of stuff coming out. And, oh, my God, why is there someone called Jizzy Pearl? <laughs> Jizzy Pearl.
1: Jizzy Pearl.
0: What a name. Good Lord. I can already hear his music. It's... Trouble releasing an album. Nice. It's a re-release. I was going to say, every Well, it's It could have been an interesting album. Um, oh my God, Annihilator. I forgot a, the Annihilator thing. I used to listen to them back in the day.
1: Yeah, I like Annihilator. They're quite good. That one's done Alison and Hell, right? I think so. Alison and Hell.
0: S- they had some funny, funny songs, in not it? Yeah. Yeah, nice. Oh my God, Hammerfall. Do you remember them? They had that song, Hammerfall by Hammerfall.
1: On the album Hammerful. Indeed. Released by Hammerful <laughs> No Major. <no, no.
0: laughs> I <laughs> it's just like it's the most catchy song I've ever heard, I think. They're they're like proper power metal, in it? Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um I don't know a huge amount of um well Messa. Mesa, I do want to shout out. They're amazing. They're a really, really cool band. I think they're Italian. Um, wonderful, wonderful vocals, really cool. Um, Friends of Hell, is that like a full of hell? Related thing?
1: No, that's that band, the ex-bassist from Electric Wizard.
0: Oh, Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's so cool. I'm looking forward to that. In that case, is that that's Taz from Electric Wizard? He's got such a cool like tattoo, um, whole body tattoo thing going on. It's really sick. Um, yeah, that's my that's me just mumbling through a list of albums that are coming out next year.
1: Yeah, I actually don't think I mentioned the Celeste one. I am looking forward to that one as well because it's. Uh, I was telling you a little bit about w- what they do live, which I think is really cool. They've got their little uh, LED red lasers on their head. Yeah, it's really dark, so he sees the light. It's like really, like kind of like really kind of alien and. Extraterrestrial. Do you bits. think,
0: like, when they go to check in the mirror, if they look okay, they like accidentally blind themselves?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah <I'm laughs> checking my lights, all right. Yeah,
0: <laughs> just like trying to communicate with each other, just blinding <laughs> each other with your laser lights.
1: <laughs> it's like it just kind of reminds me if it was just like it's like it's like Teletubbies on a really bad acid trip. Oh something. my
0: god, that's amazing. Yeah. I would hate that so. Even much. though you can
1: argue that Teletubbies in their original form are like a bad acid trip themselves. One hundred
0: percent. It's really like weirdly the way they like rub their stomachs. And they go again, again, and they've got like the television thing, and there's a giant baby. Like, what?
1: And it's especially terrifying when you realise how big they are in real life.
0: Oh my god, they are huge. Yeah. Oh. Because
1: I think Tinky Winky's like like ten foot tall or something. Oh my god. But it's yeah, it's uh...
0: Tinky Winky coming and putting you, picking you up and putting you in his pouch. Oh god. Forcing you down into the abyss of his strange marsupial form, while like his television stomach plays some strange film, yeah.
1: It's like it's almost like he's holding you hostage or something.
0: Yeah, Teletubbies was weird. The yeah. weird vacuum cleaner and the new new thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even I did always want to try tubby custard. off. it looked quite nice.
0: I I think Tesco's did a thing where they released it. and It was like purple. And oh like really? Begged for some, got it, and it tasted so bad. Yeah. It was disgusting
1: just in my mind it tasted like strawberry angel delight i think that's what i was thinking
0: i've never had angel delight but in my mind it's like you know when you read um, Lord lord the rings and you imagine what lembas tastes like and you imagine yeah. it tastes like amazing yeah. so when i when i watched teletubbies i had the same thing and i was like oh this custard must taste like i know you imagine this insane taste that you'll never experience and it's so sad yeah, yeah. See, i don't remember
1: thinking anything about lembas in particular
0: Oh, it was like slightly sweet and and Moorish and crumbly.
1: I just remember, I just remember taking it as a, I remember thinking of it like a challenge, thinking like "fuck off," so I, like, I could eat loads of that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Lembers like, eating t- contest <laughs> now. Because
1: I like, don't tell me that one bite will fill me up
0: <laughs> for like three oh, days. Yeah, <laughs> you do the Lambers eating contest, you can't eat for a year and you die. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh,
0: well, I think that's uh, after like talking about tubby.
1: Yeah, I think that's a new low. So it's a good point to end on.
0: I think it is. Yeah, thank you so much for listening to us ramble and stumble our way through this uh, dark day and this podcast in particular. Thank you for for being here and being alive. Isn't life wonderful and beautiful? Please like and subscribe. Um, your the world will be better for it. Thank you so much and goodbye.
1: Until next time. <laughs> we made it. We got through it.
0: i so bad. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Nice. <laughs>